When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate Podcast in this international break edition, I suppose is what we'll call it. Um, even though really there hasn't, ever, hasn't been any international games just yet, I think we've just seen, like, I, I only found out today that Italy lost. Uh, that'll tell you how much of a shit I give about, uh, <laughs> about international football. Italy finally lost after like 14 years of not losing a game or something along those lines. But uh, it's it's uh, yeah, I I don't get too enthused for international season, Paddy. Um, Not anymore, I'm, I'm, anyway. No, I'm kind of over it. Like I'm kind of over international. And plus the fact that it comes back and it seems to be it seems to be biting us in the balls more than it's biting any other team. Um, at the minute that like scrap it, it's no good unless they're coming to play in the UK. Then don't go play. Look, we've had this conversation a million and one times, but uh, um. I suppose it'll be interesting to see what comes of it now in the next few days and over the next week or so. But that's not what we're here to talk about, Paddy. We're here to talk about Emmy Martinez getting nominated for the Yashin Award, which is basically the Golden Glove <laughs> Award, which is basically the Ballon d'Or for uh, um, for goalkeepers. Um, Paddy, I, I, I genuinely like I I think it's an amazing accolade for the club and for the him for him. Absolutely unbelievable. Of course it is. That's and you know what? He deserves it. He's had he's had an amazing season. He he's won he's won the uh what do they call it in South America? The best goalkeeper. No, the the the, the overall thing that the Argentinians oh, won. Oh the Copa America. Copa America. Um and he's had an amazing season uh breaking records with Aston Villa equaling Brad Friedel's clean sheet record, you know, he's well respected throughout the world. But I, I worry about these accolades because it makes it harder for us to hold on to these kind of players. So uh, forget about the accolades. Let's get it. Let's get uh, trophies on the board and attract players as well as well to to enhance the, the, these guys' lives at Aston Villa. Yeah, I suppose. Look, it, but it is good. Like, um, you know, we've oh, been through. Yeah, we've we've been through uh, just even this week we've been through her clueless uh, Brazilian commentator and Neto, um, basically said who are Aston Villa football club and you know if you want to attract players you know making sure that we're in a position whereby we can players can fulfil their dreams players can get these these individual accolades you know will then entice other players to come here maybe they're earlier on in their in their in their careers. So look at look at Atlanta. Atlanta haven't won anything of note. Yes, they've gone into the Champions League and so on. But yeah. like they they were known as a club who will give you a chance and will make you a star and then you know maybe pass you through pass you up the ranks then if needs be. And 
we're going to have to probably deal with that for a while, but hopefully we don't need to deal with it for much longer. And uh, if we get into Champions League and into Europe very, very soon, then you know that's going to be something that uh, that we won't have to worry about in, in, in the not-too-distant future, hopefully. But I and kind of joke... That's exactly the goal. That's it. And look, our, our youth teams that are coming through, our academy players that are coming through, just before we move on to the to the main topic of discussion for this podcast, which would be Dean Smith and the fantastic three years that he's had, I think it would be remiss for us not to talk about the future, about a lot of the stuff that's going on with the Villa Academy in the Villa Underage setup at the moment. Obviously, going to Burton and beating Burton, coming back from uh, 2-0 down to, to, to win, was was quite an achievement in itself, given the youthful nature of the of the squad. I didn't get to see it live. I was I was stuck in work, Paddy, but I know that you got to see a good portion of it live. What did you make of it all together? Yeah, well, they, they it seemed to be nondescript early in the game, and when I turned it on, they were, they had just equal. Didn't, well, sorry, they hadn't equalised. They'd gone to two one just before half time. So I watched all the second half, and they were they were good value for that scoreline. Um, I thought they were excellent. Um. You know, I had a little joke with um, Simon Leach, who was at the match with last week, was sitting beside me. He was in Burton on Tuesday night before he flew flew back to Chicago. For, uh, Simon from the Chicago Lions. Um, and uh, I joked with him to say, uh, who knows, maybe we might get back to Wembley yet again this year. The, <laughs> in the Is it Papa John's? Is that what it's called? <laughs> Papa John's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you imagine uh, us getting to that final? Because we'd sell, we'd sell out our section. It'd be absolutely, so absolutely, it'd be great. And you know what? It would be one of those ones that um, it'd be one of our ones that would the one of those ones that people would go to to say that they were there if they were to win it. You know, and yeah. plus, look, hey, we're we've been starved of, of of silverware. We haven't really won anything in of yeah. the script in the last twenty years. Like, so it's uh. Uh, more than 20 years. I know we've won the playoff. Uh, we won the, the championship playoff. We won the Peace Cup. Things like that. I know we've won, we've had underage success or whatever, but yeah. uh, that from that that would be a pretty decent cup to win. But um, hey, listen, look, it, it's it's going to be a journey in this, in, in itself. And uh, uh, as you say, I think we'd sell it out if we were to go there. But um, yeah, so let's, I suppose we will keep an eye on that. Obviously, Cameron Archer scoring three goals in that competition and, and in yeah, that game. It was excellent. During the week, he was fantastic. Yeah, I just yeah. saw the highlights. He was fantastic, and and I put out something on on Twitter, and I was afraid to say what my comp was, but I'm not afraid to say it anymore because I said that I've got a wild comparison for for Cameron Archer because he doesn't even look like this player from a, an actual physiological point of view. Like he's not as tall as him. He's a completely different body shape, but the way he shapes and the way he strikes the ball uh, without fear at the edge of the box really reminded me of someone. I said, and I put it up on uh, on Twitter, and I went, I'm too afraid to say it because because of. Really ridicule and then people were coming back with these absolutely insanely wild comparisons <laughs> i thought and i went right okay i don't think it's too too bad and i know a lot of people were asking me for it i just didn't get back i haven't been able to basically barely been able to get to my phone this week but um i think he reminded me uh, he reminds me an awful lot of and it was only because i was watching um i think it was the 1998 season and he reminds me an awful lot of when nicholas nelka broke onto the scene Nicholas Nelka was taking shots from the edge of the area and he was placing them in the bottom corner and he wasn't afraid to take shots. He wasn't afraid to run around defenders, get in behind defenders. And, and you know, he was, all, he was that kind of exuberance of youth about him. And Cameron Archer is a throwback. He's not like, he's kind of, I, I think Green, or not Greenwood, Rashford was kind of like that as well when he first broke onto the scene a couple of years ago too. You know, he just had this, this lust for just, you know, I get the ball, I'm going to take a shot. I'm confident enough. I think, I, And if it goes in, great. And he's on a great run of form at the moment. And and uh, fair play to him, you know. He's he's exactly what Villa needs. He's exactly like kind of what Villa got with Gabriel Bonlehor. Just somebody who's grabbing the chance with both hands. Yeah. I know stylistically he's completely different to Agbon Lahore, but he's grabbing his chance with both hands. And there's a really good professional career there for a guy that was at Solihull Moors playing on the wing and people weren't even sure was he going to cut, cut it at, yeah. in professional football, never mind in and the that's Premier it. League. And that's, I was just going to, about to make a comparison there because I know Louis Barry has got an awful lot of stick in, in recent weeks on, on social media. But just when, when, when you go to open your mouth about Louis Barry, just think what Cameron Archer did last year mm. and he wasn't exactly tearing up trees and when I saw him come back into into games earlier in the season I was like really is this guy up to it but he has just thrived on the opportunity and try thrived on being around full stadia and fans so yeah. he's uh he's one for the future and he's one of many for the future and uh 
it, it does put a smile in your face to see one of our own doing so well. Absolutely, absolutely. Just before we get on to the Dean Smith conversation as well, I know there's quite a lot of people out there that are doing the um the the sleep out for the Aston Villa found for the AVFC Foundation um tonight. Uh, I want to commend you all. You're fantastic people for an unbelievably good cause. I know our good friends Kieran Callahan and Ben Callahan uh, B Six Ben are doing it. Um, if you go over to Ben's um to ben's twitter page or even at kieran's twitter page you'll see there's a there's a i think it's just giving our virgin money link there Um, all proceeds obviously go to the to, to the foundation it's a fantastic cause and uh look at this time of at this time time of year these sleep outs are uh, are not an easy thing to do i hope the weather holds up for everybody and i just commend you all for doing it and uh, for such a good cause but uh yeah if anybody has anything to spare you know it's really good and you know it's Absolutely. it's all going into the one pot, you know. Yeah. But it's 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 a fantastic cause to 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 donate to as well. Um, yeah. So Dean Smith, Paddy, he's going to be three years in the role. Uh, he's going to be three years in the role on Saturday. No, Sunday, isn't it? The tenth. Today's what? Yeah. Today's the eighth. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow's ninth. Then there's the tenth. That's usually what comes after the eighth, ninth and tenth. It's the tenth. <laughs> yeah. It's Dean Smith. Um, is going to be in the role. Uh, three years on on Sunday, and uh, we said we just do a little little piece in him or maybe a long piece you know sometimes little little pieces turn into long pieces but we said we do <laughs> do a bit on him and just have a conversation on him because as you know we're unashamedly pro dean smith we're very much dean smith in uh i had t-shirts printed up i had three prototype t-shirts printed up with smith in on the back of them at the end of the not last season the season before and uh, the, the one where we nearly got relegated and i was going to sell them and then I went, I don't want to tempt fate in case we get relegated. And then we didn't get relegated. <laughs> and I said, you know what? Uh, this It's okay to hold on to them. I think, no, I won't bother going selling them. But if he does come under fire, we might put them up, up online again. But uh, we're, we're unapologetically uh, pro Dean Smith. Um, Dean Smith has grown as a manager. He never came into this into this gig fully formed. Um, he never came into this gig thinking that he was he was uh, he was God's gift to anything. He came into this in into this gig knowing the that you know he was going to sink or swim with his with his boyhood club, and that's an absolutely unbelievably unbelievable fairy tale kind of journey for anybody to have. Buddy, specifically when he came into the into the club, being fourteenth in the championship. And, you know, at that stage, having a squad that had a ridiculously poor sell-on value, having, you know, players that didn't have the legs for his system. You know, we look at where we were back then and what we had to do when we came up into the Premier League. But let's have a look down through, through I suppose, the three years of Dean Smith. And um, if you give me one moment, I just want to share up something here uh, on that because I've just tried to keep it very high level with an overview of, of how he has... Uh, how I feel he has performed anyway over the over the season the the last three seasons and Paddy I know that you put together some things um if you want to discuss on Dean Smith as well oh no uh, do, 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 do. give me a moment there guys talk amongst yourselves I've a brand new system brand new I've been talking about it for ages getting a new <laughs> computer system and boy did I get a new computer system it's a it's it's a pretty um oh no it's not going to let me share this isn't that isn't that a dose no, uh, <laughs> you'll have to talk through it. Oh, there, there you go. Oh, yeah, and that's not what I wanted to share anyway. So, and <laughs> uh, let me just, <laughs> as I said, talk amongst yourselves, everything will be fine. Um, Ale Alex he, Roberts says, uh, nice surprises always for your chats. Uh, Dean Smith in line for England when we get top six in two to three years. Absolutely. No, Alex. No, no absolutely not. <laughs> he's our he's our man. He's staying yeah. there. <laughs> absolutely. I'm gonna share up this. I'm just gonna share the full screen here. Uh instead, it's just gonna uh, you're gonna have to deal with it for a moment. Um I do apologize. So basically I just put a put a little piece together here. Obviously, Dean Smith joined in the 18-19 season. Um we were hired when he was 14th in the championship. Probably the highlight of that season was the 10 game winning streak. Uh broke a hundred and nine year record. Uh, that we hadn't broke, uh, th that had lasted for 109 years, should I say? Uh, took the took one of the funnest times I can remember in being an Aston Villa fan uh, for a long, long period of time. Based on the fact that, you know, we I had almost given up hope of getting promoted at that stage, and then this 10 game win comes out of nowhere, and I absolutely loved the 
I love the Grim Reaper piece that people were putting up on Twitter where the Grim Reaper was knocking <laughs> on a door and all the different doors as they were going back. And it was just, there was a real good atmosphere around Villa. We came into, came into that 18-19 season. Or we, sorry, we finished that 18-19 season with an absolute flurry and with a, with a situation whereby there was real optimism and hope. No longer had we the shackles of Tony Ja. No longer had we Wynas and the winding up orders. But we had fresh new enthusiasm from new owners. We had a young manager, young, relatively young manager. He was 47 at the time, who'd come over, come in and taken over the club and was trying to mold it. Granted, we you know, nobody was fully sure as to where he could go as a team, as an actual manager back then because of the fact he'd only managed at the lower levels, but he was exactly what we needed at that period of time. Came in, hit the ground running, and the rest is history. We get promoted after, you know, after those horrific seasons down in uh, the championship, which was a pretty enjoyable league to be in uh, at times, but wasn't enjoyable mm. when you were, uh, when we weren't winning. And he brought back that winning feeling to us, Paddy, and he brought back that feeling of, of uh, relevance, I suppose, that we weren't going to flounder away mid-table, turn into a Nottingham Forest, turn into a, what Leeds were at that time, or maybe even worse, a Sunderland or a Wigan or a Hull, and drop down through the divisions. Yeah. We're way too big a club to be able to do that, but other big clubs have done that, had done that as well previous to that. And Dean Smith came in here and and, and showed his mettle being a manager that, uh, you know, was not only tasked with, with saving a big club, but saving his club. And trying to get trying to bring them back to the Premier League. Talk me through the through the, the that that period of I suppose his his career, Paddy, specifically the eighteen nineteen. What was your views on him when he came in? Were you was 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 it all rose better roses for you? Did you have any concerns with him? And be honest, no. <laughs> yeah, well, being honest, um, I've always admired him from afar because when Brentford when Brentford came for those years that we were in the Championship, they tended to play us off the park. And he played lovely football and it was a joy to watch, but not a joy to play against. My biggest concern for him was, you know, that he had amazingly come along this, um, um, let's face it, a huge, huge, huge opportunity as a Villa fan to go and manage the team that you supported as a boy. When, you know, let's face it, we were in the absolute shit at that stage. You know, 14th in the championship and um, I'll, I'll... I, I put together a few of my best bits and, and low points and, and uh, good signings and bad signings that he made, and we'll get to that later on. But uh, just after he came in, we lost 3-0 to Wigan around Christmas time. And it was at that point I, I, I had resigned ourselves to the fact that, you know, maybe we will need to fight a little bit to stay in this division, as in stay up. You know, we were we were languishing, whatever it was, maybe seven or eight points above the drop zone. The most important thing that was we stabilised that that season and, you know, push on the year after. But lo and behold, that run of games, um, starting, I believe, with my... No, sorry, we, we beat Derby 4-0. And yeah. then the, follow, the following week, my first time to go to, in a way, Derby game at, at St Andrews, the day that Jack got punched... Um, and to watch to watch it that day and unfold and and to see just the outpouring of emotion from the stand and just the atmosphere everything everything about that day is something I'll never forget till the day I die. But there was just that sense of hope that this was we we were going in the right direction, that we were going to we're going to go and push on. And who would have foreseen that we were going to go go on and win the next eight games? Um, uh, nearly nine when <laughs> when you know the t- the eleventh or the eleventh game was the the game against Leeds that uh, descended into a farce. So we'll never know what would have happened there if it was just played out normally. So, uh, but at that stage, I think it was just we we, we had quali- a draw against Leeds was enough to qualify for the playoffs, mm. and that's all that mattered. But when he came in at fourteenth, I I never in my wildest dreams believed that we'd be looking at another playoff. And just just to keep people grounded, because I, I completely understand with managers, there there's always there, there's no sitting on the fence with a manager. You you always either like him or you don't like him. And the best the best example of that I can give, everybody loved John Gregory. Mm. And for some reason I was the only one that didn't like him. 
I never warmed to him. Never liked him. I but as him. time as time went on and, and and as it became historical, I realized as I got older, you know, that why people love John Gregory. But at, at the time, I wanted him out. I even remember going for a point the day that he went. I'm delighted that we're going to get a new manager. And that's that's just the way it is when people, you know, look back on, on managers' reigns. So I'm delighted for Dean Smith. I'm delighted he got that opportunity. And if we go back a season before, if we hadn't have lost to Fulham, we could be still looking at Dr. Tony still in the job. We could have gone up and gone straight back down. There's just so many ways of looking at what might have happened. And it's taught me an, a, a brilliant life lesson with football, that everything happens for a reason. And while you're disappointed after bad results, the next one is only around the corner. You know, people were on such a high over the last few weeks after absolutely smashing Everton, beating Man United for the first time at Old Trafford in 12 years. And then everybody's on the low again this week because we lost his pores. These things are going to happen. So, you know, we, we just, if, if we could all just get behind them and just remember what, what might have been, and we might not be in this situation with the owners we have if we'd have beaten Fulham that day. And uh, that that game, I think, will be even more important in our history than beating Derby in that playoff final. And if people look at it the right way, I firmly believe that. Yeah, look, I can't disagree with anything you said there because, like, when you think about it, I, I genuinely, my heart to hearts, I'm, I'm not sure that any manager in English football that we could have got at that time other than Dean Smith would have got us promoted. And I know everyone can look at me and say, ah, it's easy to say that now in hindsight because you know what he is and you know you've seen him, you know, you've seen what's happened and, and uh, what's done is done kind of a situation. But genuinely, I, I, I just think... I just think there was a little bit of sparkle. I think there was a little bit of magic. There was a little bit of um, fairy tale in that, you know, the fact that, you know, the lovely story, well, I'm going to call it a lovely story. I can't imagine it was as as, as lovely a story for, for Dean as it was for everybody else that listened. But the fact that his dad not being in the best of health, obviously having dementia, um, being in care and he can go after every game. And I, I sometimes I even get teary eyed thinking about it myself, you know, when, something meant so much to you and your dad let's say uh we've all been in that situation we've you know where you know you want them to be so such a big part of you want family to be such a big part of your success and the one time then that he can go to him go to his dad with something where he directly affected he directly was the reason or one of the yeah. reasons or 90 percent of the reason for a turnaround in a whole in the in their club's fortune, and he go he said he went and he told his dad, and he said I, I think at the time he said he wasn't sure if his dad he was probably sure his dad couldn't even didn't even understand what he said, but he said he got a smile from him, and that was enough. That was enough to be able to go and do that. Oh Jesus! Sometimes you being like you, it, it, it kind of catches me right here in the middle of my chest yeah. when I heard that, and that in itself, you know, if he never does anything else for Aston Villa. The fact that he has that moment himself, as a Villa fan, we would all kill for that moment. Absolutely kill to be the man that put us on an even keel again. And we can talk about Suarez and, and, and Edens. And yes, I think since 2019 onwards, they've definitely taken over a massive leadership. Uh, they've definitely filled the leadership void. But I genuinely believe in the year 2018, 2019, when he was hired at 14th in the championship, he filled that leadership void. He became the leader of this club and he brought his he brought himself into it. Granted, he did have, have, have a, as we said, an aging team. And there was a lot of leaders in the field there, the Yenex, the Whelans, the, even Uncle Albert was scoring goals for fun. But it was Dean Smith that pulled it all together. And Dean Smith made it, made it click. And the 18-19 season is one of the funnest seasons, well, funnest second half of the seasons that I can remember in the last, well, definitely in the last 10 years of being an Aston Villa yeah. fan. Moving on to the 2019-20 season, um, I've made three bullet points here for us as well. Obviously, kept us in the league was what ultimately happened. But he, like, for, for a manager that was, that is inexperienced at the high, highest level, had never, never um, managed there, never coached there before. And I'm just going to play a couple of, 
I'm just going to share a couple of um, of comments there as well. There was one comment that I saw here, and, and I think it's quite apt to, to pop it up here. So Supi Mark says, for me, Dino is still inexperienced at this level, and even more so with the squad and formations that he can rotate and change, but he's growing with the club, and I feel he's the man to push us forward. Absolutely. And this was this that point was never so evident as it was in 2019, 2020, when we came up to the Premier League. When we overhauled the team, bringing in, what was it, 11 signings? When Patash was, asked, well, pres- reportedly, I'm going to say, at odds with Perslow over one, maybe two signings. Patash leaves at the end of the season. Dean Smith has those players. He has to make do with those players. And it was a complete overhaul of the system. People questioned it. People questioned the tactics. But the the biggest thing with 2019-2020 season was Dean Smith got experienced. And Supi said he was an inexp- he's, he's a bit inexperienced. But that's what happens. Experience yeah. is what you get, but you don't get what you want. So the setback exactly. experience experience only comes back comes from setbacks 99% of the time. The lucky few will gain experience from winning, will be born into a fortuitous situation, etc. Dean Smith had to learn basically the school of hard knocks in that in that season yeah. because not only had he, did he see, oversee a squad transformation, he had to deal with covid, he had to deal with the death of his aforementioned father who which which happened, you know, during that season. And then he went and he kept us in the league albeit by the skin of our teeth. And that 2019-2020 season, I can guarantee you, when you talk to Dean Smith in years and years to come, when his biography is out there, he will say he learned more in that season than he probably did in his whole managerial career. That's for sure. I, th- I think we, I think we all grew up that year with COVID <laughs> and everything else that was going along. Yeah. But um, just with regards to what he said there about him being inexperienced, he's, he's dead right. And if you if you talk to um, the likes of Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola, they will tell you that they're inexperienced. They'll tell yeah. you that the, every day is a school day and they're learning as they go along. And every different little situation that's put in front of you teaches you so much in regards to how you handle the next situation because you just pick little nuggets out. It's, it's like any job that you do. You make mistakes as you go along. You pick little nuggets out and you learn from them. And but like he, he has just assembled a culture within that team that there's so many likable characters that you know when I when I was doing my coaching badges, loads of references are made to what the All Blacks do. That regardless of how good of a player you are, if you haven't got the right personality, or for 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 the want of what they say, is uh, if you're a dickhead, you're you're not you've nothing got to do with being an All Black, and you'll never be an All Black. And I can see a lot of that in what Dean Smith is doing in the culture of our club. And for me, he doesn't suffer guys who, who don't put in the effort and don't put in the work. They get bombed out straight away. Um, guys who, you, you know, you look back at Danny Drinkwater, Ross Barkley, these kind of guys who, who obviously weren't putting in the work or, or weren't putting it in on the training pitch. The, the, there was an opportunity then to, to come and, and stay with us for a long period of time. And they just they just didn't take their opportunity. And that all leads me to believe that he has created this culture of we're, we're we're here to work we'll enjoy it as we work but we're here to work first and foremost and that hard work will deliver results matthew bambrick put up a great comment here as well and this is this is probably the best time to talk about it as well if you want insight into dean smith as a man and a leader watch his talk at bcu um man is a cultural architect everything he speaks about and how to run a club man strides with it would you believe, Matthew, I played that, I, I, I work for a, a, a multinational and I work in management with them, and would you believe I played that exact speech for uh, some of my uh, some, some of the guys that report into me, and I played it. They all know I'm a massive Aston Villa fan or whatever, but he spoke some truths about team building, about culture building, about essentially about just not, as Paddy, as you put it there, just not being a prick. He spoke an awful lot about it, that you don't have to be this ruthless character that Hollywood tells you, essentially, to get ahead in, in, in business, to get ahead in the team aspect, to get ahead in your career. You don't. You can put yourself first, but you can do it in a nice way, too. And it, it, his, his, his collective message in that about the collective work rate of a team 
um, will then allow players to get their moves. He spoke about Rico Henry in it, if I remember rightly, matching. And, and, and you might, if you're still still here, you might be able to correct me on that because my my uh, I I haven't watched it in quite a while. But I think he spoke about well, he mentioned I had a left back at a club that was in his <laughs> in his early twenties, and then he got X move. And I think he might have spoke about somebody else as well. But um, it was really interesting to see him see him speak that he. He actually cared about his players, and he cared about what he could he could de- deliver for his players. And he knew that his players were going to move on, and he knew that that was a culture that you could build with at that level that would allow you to have success and would allow allow a feel good factor to the club. And it also then brought around players staying at the club for a small bit longer because they believed in him, and it was a fun atmosphere, and people enjoyed coming to work. And that's really that's 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 it. You know, that's pretty cool to have because Remy Gard came into this club, if we can remember him. And I know there's a collective shiver going down the backs of everybody when he mentioned someone like him. Yeah. He came in and he treated everybody like shit in the end of his shoe when he came into the club. And yeah. it just doesn't work. Like we're in the we're in the year 20. Well, when we're talking about this in 2019, 2020, uh, when he was here, that just doesn't work anymore. These the players you're playing with. They've got their own brands on Twitter. They like you can go out and you can give out about them. You can talk about them in 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 the in a post match interview, and you can denigrate them if you want. All they have to do is go on Twitter. They're going to reach millions more people than you will ever reach as a t- as a manager. And you know, so so the way that you manage teams, the culture building is so 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 important um, within that team and within that dressing room. And I think 2019 2020, everybody took their licks. They got bruised. They got battered. They got you know the. I'll never forget seeing the the this. We had just lost to United, I think it was, or maybe it was a draw. Maybe it was the draw to Everton, and I thought that everything was slipping away from us that season. And a graphic came up in the bottom left hand corner, and we had one game at home, next game away, one game at home, the next game away, and it was ha ha. Uh, was what everybody was pointing to, that even the league table was laughing at us because we'd spent a hundred million and we were going doing a Fulham. And, you know, all that kind of stuff, as I said, as I said before, experience is what you get, what you don't get, what you want. All that kind of stuff. You can see that Dean Smith, you can see that Dean Smith understands about culture, that if your culture is strong, your team ethic is strong, that people believe in the process. And I hate this trust the process stuff that's come from American sports, but it does ring small bit true, specifically in young teams and in teams that are. Uh, you know that that are building for the future, and Dean Smith obviously knew that at that stage. And and you know we go on to we go on to the twenty 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 one season, and um, where we could see the fruits of taking those licks in the season before. Um, because moving on to the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one season, you know we that got people talking about us. You know Jack Grealish sprung to stardom in 2020-2021. Ross Barkley was being talked about again for England. Ollie Watkins started scoring goals. 7-2 against Liverpool. 3-0 against Arsenal. 1-0 against Leicester. Who are these Aston Villa? What's, what's happened to Aston Villa? Going on a massive run at the start of the season. Scoring goals like they were going out of fashion. Beating top six sides. That's, you know, the the... The culture doesn't just come overnight. It can't poor poor year the year before. Keeping that culture is it was was the main part for Dean Smith in the, in the coming season. We got off to a great start, and then we had to manage around injuries. And yes, we didn't get the points, and yes, we he he couldn't really do what he wanted what what he needed to do with regards to those injuries. But what he did in the next season was first season he learned how to build a culture. Next season, I feel he learned how to manage around injuries. He 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 learned that with the squad he had, he couldn't manage around injuries. And he wasn't yeah. able to because Jack Grealish got injured and we went to pot. Exactly. And as we can see now that our, our, our big hope, which is Leon Bailey, is injured. And yet we can manage without him by, by tinkering the system and doing what we need to do to get results. And that's what happens when you have a squad that's capable of competing, not just the team, which we've had for the last two years. We now have a squad. We now, we now look at our bench and go, we can actually change this game by bringing players on which we haven't been able to do. And that's a luxury that, that he's enjoying this season. Yeah. And, and it's something that, you know, once again, you can't like, you can't just, I'm not going to say that you can't, it's very seldom that you manage in the premier league. And then day one, you actually figure it all out. You know, how many, how many premier, like Ranieri didn't finish, didn't figure it out in the premier league day one. You know, he came in, he was with Chelsea. Yeah, he, had a, he maybe a couple of fruitful years and so on. Yeah. I don't know, has he still figured it out? Rafa Benitez came into the league, probably figured it out quicker than most. 
Klopp came into the league having looked at, look, uh, having having looked down from afar. You know, needed to take needed to take a few uh, a few months to get into the league and so on. You know, unless you have that high powered squad, there's very few managers that would have come up from the league before and come straight into the into the Premier League. And uh, we've seen some managers get lucky. Chris Wilder springs to mind. Phil Brown springs to mind. You know, yeah. they've gotten lucky coming into the Premier League. And um, who was uh, George? What was his name? George, George, George. That was over Ipswich back when Marcus Stewart got all the goals. Lee. George, George Burley. Burley. Yeah. Got a, like like teams get lucky when they get promoted. Um Dean Smith has come in. He got extremely unlucky in his first season in the Premier League. And he's had to learn. And as I say, yeah. he learned he, he learned that he that, that you know we couldn't play the way that he wanted to play us in nineteen in 2019 mm-hmm. 20. He learned that he could that he he needed to manage around injuries and he couldn't use them as an yeah. excuse in twenty twenty one. And you know, I think twenty twenty one put us back on the map. Again, it put us on the map from the point of view of, you know, beating big teams. The 7-2 against Liverpool reverberated around the world. When it was the last time you could yeah. say that about Aston Villa? I, I I, don't think there was an Aston Villa victory. Even winning the League Cups, I don't think would have reverberated around the world. Because of the, because of, of the era we're in with social media, I don't mm. think as many people in the world in 1994 or 96 knew we were a championship team winning after winning, or sorry, a cup winning team at that yeah. time, as people did know that we beat Liverpool 7-2. Well, that's it. I, I think the last time that, that we we shocked the world and everybody took notice was the, when, when we beat Man U 3-1 in the, the opener in 95 because they, they were announced as world beaters this season before and they were going to go on and dominate English football. And uh, <laughs> they went and lost Aston Villa on the open day in the grey short. And Alan Hansen said, you win nothing with kids. So it's uh that that was a huge thing. One thing just just to go back a season there, um about the nineteen twenty, the one thing that often gets overlooked, um we had our little bit of luck against Sheffield United when when the Hawkeye didn't work, but we also had an abnormal amount of decisions go our way, go against us in that season that nobody ever remembers. Because nobody was watching us because we were languishing at the bottom of the league and we weren't live on telly every week. So let's not forget about that one either. Hello. Are you Hello, back? Oh, I think I am back. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Uh, I completely missed uh, what you were saying. You were telling me that you wanted to go back to something. Yeah. So basically, I just went back and, and you know, everybody remembers that the Sheffield United one where we got the the decision when Hawkeye had a day off and, and mm. the goal didn't go in. But nobody remembers the seven, eight, or nine decisions that went against us in that, because we were down the bottom and in the ship. The referees didn't care less, and and the VAR decisions that went against us, the the Crystal Palace one where Jack was, yeah, 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 yeah one, you know yeah. all of these things that that that's something that gets overlooked in that season. I mean, when you're down in the shit, you you have a look at the teams that are down there this season, the likes of Norwich and those. They're 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 going to be the ones that those these decisions go against this season. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I had a great salient point there until I started panicking after I could see my internet was dropping out there. And um, <laughs> once again, I need to get I need to I need to get into my internet service provider. I had a really good point there, and I was in a nice flow about Dean Smith <laughs> as well at that stage. Specifically, oh, I know what I was going to say. It was with it was to do with this comment from Dara. Dara asked, "Is his greatest achievement promotion at a seven-two against the best Premier League team of the last three years?" <laughs> There's a slightly loaded question there, Dara. Um, uh, I would say I, I, promotion is definitely promotion is definitely his greatest achievement to date, and uh, I, I think I think regardless of what happens with Aston Villa, bar winning a cup with Aston Villa or getting Aston Villa into the Champions League, I would dependent on the cup as well. I would say um, I would say Dean Smith would say getting Aston Villa back to the big time is is going to be one of his greatest achievements. Would you know, I'd, I'd I'd actually I'd actually question that, and I'd say he'll probably tell you that that keeping them up was harder than getting them up. Yes, that's that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Um, so that that four season to keep them in the Premier and and that was so vital at the time because you know the whole the whole financial fair play was about to axe down on top of us and mm. you know there was a whole lot of things going on and um, so to keep us up was absolutely huge. Um, don't get me wrong, getting promoted, beat winning that game at Wembley, I'll never forget it as long as I live. 
it was one of the greatest atmospheres I've ever been at in my life. But staying up and the emotions that day, the draw against West Ham, beating Everton the week before, all of these kind of things, you know, they, they, they go forgotten because there was no trophy at the end of it. There was no big thing that happened. We stayed up. You might remember Roy Keane took the piss out of us a little bit and wonder mm-hmm. why we're celebrating. Yeah. yeah, that kind of stuff was going on. So that that will easily get forgotten in 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 Dean Smith's CV. But that I to me that was the most important thing he's done. Yeah, I would. I I I can't disagree. But you can't stay up if you don't get promoted. I suppose. Well, I understand I, that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the chicken and the egg syndrome. I think I suppose there. It's the chicken. Well, and well the egg. I think what he asked was was it the greatest achievement? I think his greatest achievement was keeping us up. Yeah, as that's a, yeah. As opposed to getting us up. Good good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking on to the 2021 season as well. And look, we'll go back and I'm sure we'll pick and point in, in different parts of this for, you know, when we're closing our, in our closing arguments at the end for why Dean Smith is <laughs> the greatest manager to ever pull up his pants in the morning. Um, but uh, it, <laughs> in 2020, 2021, I think it's fair to say, and look, the, the season is a pop only at the moment. There's only seven games in, but he's on his third different squad. And I know people are going to say, wait a minute. He's had some of those players have been here for three years now, you know, so you can't get away with saying that. And what I'm going to say is yes, they have, but Dean Smith's go-to number one player in, in 2018, 2019 was, well, it was obviously it was Jack Grealish, but Tammy Abraham scored 26 goals that season. And he scored yeah. a hell of a lot of goals for Dean Smith. Dean Smith didn't have that goal score. Then in 2019, uh, in 2019, 2020, we didn't, we didn't have a goal score. Uh, for for a good portion of that season, we bought Wesley. He got three. He got I think it was a three goals. Got injured, and then we brought in Samata. So he had no goal score in, in in his first season in the Premier League. Then in his second season in the Premier League, uh, with Jack Grealish gets injured injured for ten years, we didn't have the squad that we have now. Yes, a lot of the players that played last season are still playing now, but he couldn't manage around those injuries. And plus, Jack Grealish was the team as much as you know, as we sat here and said. We're not a one-man team. I think deep down in, in our hearts, all of us went, oh, we're not a one-man team, but Jesus, we could do with Jack Grealish right now. you know. And now this season, we're saying, I can't wait. We're, we've 10 points in the bag. We're, we've, um, I think we've seven goals scored. We've beaten Manchester United, and we're going, the best is yet to come because we still have Leon Bailey, who we've seen nothing of. Sanson still is, is, uh, is coming back to fitness. And we've, we've got this brand new system that we know we can use when we can pull that out when we need to but we also know we can go back to the 4231 as we saw in the um as as we've seen seen as well earlier on in the start of the season and in last season as well so when i talk about his third different squad here he's relying on different people to bring this bring the spark and bring the magic again and for me yeah. that constitutes a third different squad as such for me and that's why i didn't say he's on his third different marquee player which he is but he's also on his third different squad. This is the big point for me. Big, 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 big piece for me is through 2020, 21, he brought on Shaky, brought on Craig Shakespeare on, on board. So we go back to 1920. He had to learn. He was inexperienced. He had to learn how to keep us in the league. He knew that, right, there's a lot to be done here. I can't do this on my own. Myself and Richard can't do it. And John Terry can't do it. We need to bring on Shakespeare. Brought him on. Then he had a, a, a coaching overhaul again this year. So what we've seen is he brought on a coach in 2021. He picked the right coach who really excelled us from an attacking point of view. Then brings in two coaches in 2020. In, oh, I've just realized my feckin' slide is wrong here. I always get something wrong in 2021. <laughs> and you didn't even tell me, Paddy, and you're looking at oh, it. I've been nice. I, would, I just want to say nothing. Nice guys finish last, Paddy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but in, in 2021, 2022, he's brought in Danks and he's brought in uh, McPhee. And on the face of it, these two guys look like the right decision as well. So he's not afraid to delegate out. He's not an autocratic leader. He really goes back to what Matthew said in his comment there that, you know, he grows a culture and growing a coaching culture as well as a playing culture is very important. And that in turn is growing our profile further. People are intrigued by us. People are wondering, what are Villa up to now that Jack Grealish, they've lost Jack Grealish. Villa lose Jack Grealish to go out and they beat United for the first time in decades. What, what, what we want to figure out, and I'll tell you why people are intrigued with that. I did a, a TV hit for um, I made a TV, uh, I made my global TV appearance, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, um, <laughs> on the Premier League TV yesterday. Um, 
and I was speaking to Leroy Resenior and he wanted to talk about Aston Villa and what our what the fans' feeling was at Aston Villa. Now you won't be able to see this in the, you, you weren't able to see it in UK and Ireland. It was broadcast around the rest of the world because uh, I'm not allowed to be on UK TV. Um but uh basically there, there was a feeling that they couldn't understand where Villa were going from the point of view of the it, everything was everything was looking really good and how they were able to rebuild, should I say. Um, and that was a really interesting thing, a really interesting point for them to come across. And uh, also they, they couldn't understand maybe why there was a small bit of a sense of maybe deflation and disappointment with how Villa had started the league because of the way that Villa have dealt with losing Jack Grealish as well, which I thought was a really, really interesting point. So further on from this year, we still have people talking about us. He's grown the profile further and hopefully come the end of this season, we'll have people talking about us in a very healthy manner when we get into Europe. Of course. And, and there's a lot to, uh, there's a lot to discuss in that point, but he has brought the profile of the club on further. Um, and the one thing that will get lost in the beginning and in the shake or the start of this season is the disjointed preseason that we had. Obviously, he knew from from a long time out that we were going to be losing Jack. That was perfectly obvious when it happened that this was being prepared for for a long time. He then had to wait until whatever it was two weeks before the season ended before he started bringing in the likes of Danny before the season started rather the likes of Danny Ings, Leon Bailey. These signings come in very very late. We had COVID difficulties. We had preseason friendlies. Like we've been through all this before. So he's regrouped. And even with regrouping, he hasn't been able to put his strongest team on the pitch once this season. I was kind of hoping that'll be next weekend, but <laughs> it's not looking like that either because we might be without a goalkeeper as well. Oh, but look, Jesus, we'll see. About that. <laughs> um, well, Paddy, do you know what do you know what the team has been? The the team the the team sorry there was my real Irishness coming out there and not pronouncing my th's um but the team of of what we've spoken about there in the three the, the three years that he's been with us is there's been a hell of a lot of adversity Paddy hasn't there oh, there's has. been a hell of a lot yeah. of adversity between squad overhauls between injuries to your best player and maybe you know being inexperienced and having to learn in the moment when we were on the crest of a wave injuries to two good, like Ross Barkley was flying it. Like, like, like revisionist history doesn't really work well in my eyes, but Ross Barkley was flying it before he got injured in November last season. And his injury yeah. more as much coincided with our, with our, uh, our crappy form as uh, Jack Grealish's did. Then Jack Grealish just brought it down another level again. Then when he got injured as well. And then this year as well, you know, having a truncated start to the season, John Terry leaves a week before the season starts. Richard O'Kelly, uh, sorry, John Kerry, John Terry leaves two weeks or something. Richard O'Kelly leaves a week before the season starts. We've had all the COVID, uh, the COVID upheaval during during um, during the the preseason, and it's just adversity that I suppose that you just don't want. But what we've seen is, yes, he's inexperienced. Yes, he's not the finished article. Yes, he makes mistakes, but he's he's a he's he definitely is learning from stuff and um he's putting different processes in place and he's overcoming he's overcoming adversity like what more do you want like genuinely you everybody's going to make a mistake every manager is going to be naive in a, in a yeah. tactical situation or naive from the point of view of maybe making substitutions but dean smith is starting to delegate an awful lot of things now so that he's got more eyes and stuff so that he can learn himself and Man, that's 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 just modern day management, and it's fantastic to see. And I think the, I think the one admirable fact about Dean Smith is, and and you know, to to my recollection, I don't recall him ever bemoaning all these things that have happened. He no. just gets on with it. He knows that moaning, even when we've been robbed in games by referees and penalties or whatever, he talks about. He he tends to throw it back to well, we should have been two 0 up at that stage, or. Yeah. You know, if we had taken our chances, we wouldn't have had to worry about it. He doesn't go down that line of saying, poor me. He just gets on with it. He, do he doesn't go down the Paddy Kelly line of blaming the referee. So, <laughs> you know, it there's a lot of admirable traits in him, 100%. And, uh, yeah, he's he's just a really good guy that way. I like it. I think this is this is a poignant quote as well. Like, I, I genuinely would not have been able to, to say that this would have happened. But imagine... Back when Smith was appointed, if you said he'd get promoted, stay up and, and have a cup final and then finish mid-table on points uh, and, a, and a points total that would normally get you top seven. It, it just, 
I suppose we wouldn't and, and lest we forget as well, you know, develop a player to be sold for a British transfer record. And now we always knew Jack Grealish was going. I I always thought when Jack Grealish left, we get two, we get ten cents in the dollar to him, you know. But what we got was top. We got top money for him, and uh, you know that's a, that's that in itself is another way to to kind of stand up and show the big boys that yeah, listen, we're at the table now, buddies. You know, we don't need to send players for for half nothing anymore. Um, yeah. so that's a really good point, Paddy. I know you've got a couple of things. I've hijacked this completely for the last forty-eight minutes. Very I know that you have a we've probably. We've probably mentioned most of them at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Scott mentioned that. I know this is something that you have that you had a piece where you'd done his best signings versus his worst signings as well. But who do you think is Dean Smith's best signing? It's Tyrone Mings for David. Smith has had more hits than misses when it comes to signings. Talk to us on yeah. that one, Paddy, because I know you wanted to speak a bit on that one. Well. What what he says there is, is is a good point. We've had more hits than misses. Now, how you classify a miss would be how much money we spent on a player that didn't work out. Wesley probably being the worst of those from my point of view. But I haven't classed him as a miss yet because of the injury. I just think he, he never got a fair crack at a whip. And I still think there might be a player in there in the future, if not a player we can sell on. So I'm hoping he does quite well on, on his loan move. But for me, his best signing has been Emmy Martinez. I know we mentioned him at the start of the show, you know, being nominated in that. But I, th- I think that's been the biggest deal the Premier League has seen in many, many years. I think every Premier League team, every team in Europe would want Emmy Martinez as he is now. I think he's the most incredible goalkeeper and just an amazing talent and just the, the mindset we saw we saw the shit how he got on with, with with Bruno Fernandes and and Ronaldo that takes an amazing mindset to be able to do against two world-class players like that so I'll just, I'll just briefly go through these because I know we're going to be we tight for time so I did a top five so I had Martinez at number one Watkins at number two Mings at number three Cash at number four and Kanza at number five so that went from the thirty up to thirty three million we spent on Watkins down to spending just twelve on Esri Conza. Whereas on the other side, what we'll call the flops, probably a bit unfortunate. Can I, can I just go? Through, can I go through my top five first? Yeah, go go go. Courtney House is number one anyway, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Courtney House would be in my top five, um, because I <laughs> and I shit you not, this is not me just playing to the gantry of playing of, of that garmless old fool. As that man for for the squad player that he is, I I just think and and for what he's done, he's come in and 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 played. He'd probably come in at number five. I would have Matty Cash at number four. I would have Ezri Kanza at three. I would have Tyro Mings at number two, and I would have Emmy Martinez at number one. And Ali Watkins is very very unlucky to to miss out there. And I think Ali Watkins would obviously be my number five. Really, if I if 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 deep down in my heart and soul you had to ask me, Ali Watkins would be number five instead of instead of Courtney House. But I think the defensive the the basically overhauling the whole defense is, as Dean Smith has done, and and that de- that defense. No one really ever looks at it and goes, oh, I think we could maybe change this person or that person. We're pretty happy there. And I know Target might come in for a bit of stick now this season, but last season he was one of the best best left backs in the Premier League. And that takes some some bottle to be able to do from a team manager to go away in the space of two years to redevelop that whole back four. It took Pep a billion euros to be able to redevelop his back four, and he's still not yeah. happy with it. So fair play. like To, to hit on four out of four, Essentially, you know, four signings out of four, and he hit on all of them. That's an absolutely crazy record. So I think, I, I, I think the four of those guys and Ali Watkins, um, uh, the the sorry, the 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 back, the Martinez, Mings, Kanza, uh, Cash, and, and and Watkins would be my five. Fair enough. We were only we we're only one discrepancy in there. Yeah, yeah. No surprise to have you with Courtney House in there. But I was joking. I was joking about Courtney House. <laughs> I was joking about Courtney House. Um, the, the, that was the easy part. I think it was. I think it was easy to pick the best five. I think the hardest part was to pick the worst five. So I'm just going to go through them. Two of them, by the way, were either free or not or, or on loan. So uh, I had Danny Drinkwater at five, Borja Baston at four, Lovery Kalinic at three. Jota at two and Samata at one. No, Tom Carroll. 
but he didn't play. It's hard. He can't. He can do that to the to the guy. But he didn't Walker even play. Walker Baston played six minutes or something last night. But that's all he deserved. <laughs> Tom Carroll. I don't know. In an alternate universe, Walker Baston was go, would have would have uh, fired us to safety. No problem in the world. In an mm. alternate universe. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't really agree with those. Or I can't really disagree with those. Um, I can't really disagree with those at all. To be honest with you. Um, like he, we mentioned about his hits and misses, he's definitely had more hits than misses. I think his hits have been at such a high level that you're okay with having the Lovery Kalinich's. And I don't even think he, I, I technically don't think he bought Lovery Kalinich either. Well, and, 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 that's, I, and that's the other point I was going to get to. I, I think of those five, he probably only bought Jota himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the were probably that, forced on him. Absolutely, you know? <laughs> and and that goes back to the that goes back to the to the adver- adversity that he's gone through. He's had the Patash, Perslo, um, tug of war, alleged tug of war, and then he's had Johan Lange come in and had to get to know him and Lange, um, and, and then I'm not going to say missing out on a transfer window, but also having that transfer window maybe where the direction wasn't as wasn't as as, as clear cut. When Lange first came in, and then obviously we, you know, so there, there was that's another side of the thing. The operational purchasing side off the field as well is something whereby he's comfortable with. He's like, get me the player, get me, get me in the players that that fit my system, and and we'll see what happens. You know, so that's another plus in his bucket, I think, as well. Absolutely. Um. Will I, will I quickly go three? Go through my three best and worst Dude. moments of his yeah. time. Dude, so we'll go with the worst to start off with. I, I previously mentioned the losing three 0 to Wigan. I thought that was one of the lowest ebbs of that first season. Jesus, and, he was uh, only he was only in in the in the gig. I'd say about five weeks at that stage. Yeah, and the team. In fairness, that day the team were just absolutely shocking. I yeah. don't even think that was his fault, but that 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 was the moment where I thought there's you know it, it's about regrouping, as I said earlier, and uh, hoping that we'd stay up. Little did we know we were going to get to the playoffs at that stage. Um, the following year, just after Christmas, we lost three 0 to Watford, and Watford were in the shite and they dragged us back into it, and it, it it really looked like the Grim Reaper was ready to to come down on us at that stage, and. Uh, a few weeks later, then was the third one. We lost six one to Manchester City. I think that's probably the worst performance of all the three years that that a Dean Smith team has. We just couldn't cope, no matter what we did. Albeit we were after bringing in Danny Drinkwater, who drank more than water the night before. I would imagine he was absolutely shocking. <laughs> um, so we'll uh, we'll quickly move on from those. So for me, um, we discussed it. Uh, earlier on at number three uh, the Carabao Cup run uh, getting to the final I think that was an amazing achievement in itself to go and beat Leicester over two legs as well considering how badly we were doing in the league at the time I thought that was exceptional Uh, at number two was the 10 match unbeaten run leading up to promotion and at number one was the hard work that was done to keep us in that division um, and that's why I argued with you earlier on because I had that at number one. I do think that was vital for the history of the club. Um, and, and I, I, I agree. Look, I'm not going to disagree with any of those, you know, because uh, they, they are probably they are the, the highlights. And like we're even talking about not like getting to a cup final would be a highlight for a lot of fans in many years. Um, but it doesn't even register because of the pathway we're, we're on, because of the path that we've come from, and and you know we we know that we're. In a lot of ways, we're no, we're lucky to have the club that we have based on what Tony Jan and Keith Vinas left us, you know. So, yeah. um, cup finals are great, and God willing, we get to one again this season and we go on and we win it. Like, we're never going to say no to them, but but for the future of the club and for an achievement for this club, yeah, they've, they've been some fantastic ones, absolutely mm. fantastic ones in the rebuilding of this club. I think it's fair to say so, so absolutely. Um, I was just, I, I meant to do it before I came on and I meant to see what we, so Dean Smith, we'll leave you with this, a couple of statistics. So we've played 135 games under Dean Smith. We've won 55. We've drawn 28 and we've lost 52 with a 40.74% win rate. He is the highest win rate of his managerial career with Aston Villa, um, which is, is, is fantastic to see. He's averaging 1.25 points Per game, so uh, 
that is an interesting, interesting, interesting mm. place to be. Um, so uh, 1.25, circa 1.25 points uh, per, per game, uh, give or take. But still, that's that that's a nice number to have, you know. And that even is even with that season that he that we had in the um, I suppose that season that we had in the Premier League, the first season. Um, offset by the the good season that he had in the um in the championship, or the good half season he had in the championship, those two set or offset each other. So it's a true enough reflection, I think, of where we mm-hmm. have when we take away the highest and lowest from him. So things are on the up. Our youth system is on the up underneath Dean Smith. Dean Smith gets it. It's not about him, as we mentioned, as Matthew mentioned previously. It's about culture within this team. Before we um before we we finish up here. We let's have uh, a little look at some of the comments there as well. Um, just before we go, uh, we finish up there. Simon says that game against West Ham in 2020, never been so nervous about a game since the one in 1982 against Bayern. Never want to go through that again. Uh, <laughs> Simon, I wasn't born in 1982 against Bayern. So, look um, at you. Lucky me. Yeah, well, I know. I look I look like I was born many years before that as well. Um for sure. Uh Rob Henry says, I think history will show that this period was when the future was formed, getting back to the top, but also building uh, uh building of the best academy in football. That's I think that's the aim. That's the aim. If you can bring three or four people through that academy, you know, you'd be in a very, very good spot. And and look, that's that's as much Dean Smith's remit he brought in. Like he wanted guys like Harrison and uh, the, the other gentleman's name it, it escapes me. Uh, they came in as well. So it's look, it's it's it is what it, it, it it's there for the taking. Also, let let's not forget as well. We still have Rob McKenzie on the books as well with regards to you know getting youth players in, getting senior players in as well. He's somebody who goes under the radar, and you know, we all know the work that he did with Leicester as well, and getting players like Riyad Mahrez and so on. So hopefully he's unearthed somebody like that in Leon Bailey for us as well. Um, but also like a lot of those guys, Dean Smith would have had to sign off on those guys coming in to work with them, so he's okay with working on that. Um, Owen Bradley is dead right the whole club has gone through a massive transformation top to bottom absolutely and who's the only consistent uh, Barris, Weiris and, and, and Edens who's the only consistent um, football operations guy that's been in there through the whole lot of it Dean Smith exactly you know so, yeah. so that, that doesn't go um, that doesn't go on uh, unmissed on, on I suppose as well um, yeah. and yeah look here, here's a good one as well Delaney is Delaney deserves a shout out too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like whenever I say whenever I say to people, name your when they say name the best uh eleven that that, that have been in your lifetime, probably up until about maybe up until last year, I would I would have named Mark Delaney at right back because we just had such a, a lack of, of of right backs and people were going, Mark Delaney, who the hell is he? And I said, Oh, go back and just Google Mark Delaney sliding tackle on Gary Neville, and you'll know exactly why I want him in my in my uh, my top eleven. But uh <laughs> So it's uh yeah definitely and and he does deserve credit as well. So guys, we've been here over an hour, and uh, mm. as I said, I, I did say a short one at the start, and I was true to my word. Never, it was never going to be a short one, Neil. And just just oh, before you finish up, I just I just want to finish on a couple of quotes from Dean Smith that that I heard on. He did a podcast with Graham Hunter recently, and I urge everybody, podcast. whether you like Graham Hunter or not, go back and have a listen to it because he did a two part sh- show with. with uh, with Dean Smith and the two things I took out of it was he likes his players to be humble and coachable, which is very important. And his philosophy is to be a manager that you'd want to be managed by. And I think, Mm. I think that's really important and a a fine measure of the man and a fine measure of the guy that we have at our helm. And, you know, shares a birthday with me. I'm very proud to have him there. And, uh, Long may it continue. I hope I hope we're looking back for many years to come. But for me, it's been such an enjoyable three years having him at the helm. And I really hope there'll be many more. Paddy has his coaching badges. The way that Dean Smith turns over coaching staff, you never know. You might be able to use the fact you've the same birthday as him to get in there, and then uh, and then we we'll be starting for tickets, Paddy, won't we? Be great. Might be might be the way that I get I get a, a large jumper or a large top from the club shop because they're like they're like hen's teeth at the moment. Yeah, 
<laughs> oh, fingers crossed, Paddy. Fingers crossed. Uh, apply for the job anyway. You never know what's the worst they can say. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, as I say, it's been nice looking back at Dean Smith's tenure over three years. Hopefully, we'll be doing this in another three years. Hopefully, we'll be doing this in another ten years. Um, and, uh, you know, we'd be looking back on, as somebody mentioned there earlier on in the comments, I can't quite find it, that Dean Smith could go on to be our Ferguson. Why not? Why not? Um, yeah. Longevity, stability is not something that Aston Villa have had at the managerial level. Why not? Let's start it now. And let's let's back Dean Smith. Let's go for him. Uh, go with him, should I say, and take, let him take us to where, where, where he's going to take us. And uh, for the time being, he's definitely doing a good job. We're progressing year on year. And not only on the table, but in the, in the backroom staff, in the uh, off the field, um, globally, with our perception globally, as I say. So um, fair play to him. Come through adversity. Hasn't been exactly perfect, but has been exactly what we needed, I think, over the last few years. So thanks ever so much, everybody, for, for joining us for this uh, chat more so than anything else. Um, I'm, I'm Dean Smith. Um it's been nice to get on during the during the international break. We will be back next week. We do have a special guest joining next week, uh, and we will be back uh, next Wednesday with something. And then we'll be, we'll uh, we'll do a, a pre match uh, chat then as well. And Paddy's going to be over in Villa Park for the Wolves game, so we'll have another team sheet tantrum from outside Villa Park uh, for the I think, Wolves. I think game. it will be outside as opposed to inside this time because uh, yeah. I'll be in, I'll be enjoying having a few points with 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 guys I haven't seen in a very long time. So yeah. I'll be outside. Get them all on. Get them all on. And I don't want to be thrown out of Villa Park. I don't mind being thrown out of uh, not being thrown out of Villa Park. Exactly, exactly. Well, thanks so much, everybody. As I say, we started off the podcast, we started off the show this evening saying that if you do have anything to spare, and look, we know that not everybody is rolling in at the moment after the pandemic that we've been in, but there's other people out there that are less fortunate than us. Guys like Kieran O'Callaghan and Ben, uh, B6Ben, Ben O'Callaghan are doing the sleep out. There's tons of other people. If you know if somebody is doing the sleep out, you haven't donated yet, um, I would suggest, you know, for a fantastic cause for the foundation um, to, to donate to it. But uh, as I say, um, Godspeed to all those people that are sleeping out in it. Hopefully the weather is good for them. And um, hopefully if they're watching this, we applaud you all. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing for the foundation and, um, and, and, and for, you know, for, for, for that side of the charity uh, that Aston Villa support as well. So thanks everybody for watching this podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for everything you do. Um, if you could give us a little, a little like, if you're not subscribed to the, to the channel already, give us a little subscription. Um, and if you're not subscribed in the audio version, we'd love it if you subscribe to the audio version, even if you never listen there as well, it all just helps the podcast it costs nothing and um it's uh it's it, it it would be very much appreciated but until next wednesday we will be back with another show then everybody have a fantastic weekend uh you know don't get too hung up on the internationals but you know i wish everybody whatever whoever's international team is playing this weekend i wish them well and uh we'll see you next week and all that's left to say is up the villa up the villa Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.